things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Prep taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> the hell is going on in this world? My trip to Miami is on the verge of being ruined. Every time I turn around, there's something else going on in this world that's annoying the living hell out of me. And if it ain't annoying me, it's scaring me. What about you? What the hell am I talking about? Well, guess what? Stick around. You'll find out. The Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, formerly known as No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. I changed the name just a week ago to The Stephen A. Smith Show. Why? Because I'm Stephen A. Smith. And when everybody Googles me, they'll know exactly who I am and who they're reaching out to. Of course, I'm always, always happy about that. As usual, I'm at a studio sponsored by FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sports betting company of The Stephen A. Smith Show. Look. I'm not going to spend much time getting into this game because it's really not about the game at this point. It's about the fact that the Boston Celtics remembered who the hell they are and reminded the Miami Heat of who the hell they've been throughout this postseason that passed. Remember, the Miami Heat was the worst shooting offense, the worst scoring offense in the National Basketball Association, averaging 109.5 points per game. That was an NBA low, but somehow, way, the postseason arrived and we couldn't even recognize who the hell they are. They dropping threes all over the place, handling their business, being effective, doing everything that they were doing, and they went up 3-0 on the Boston Celtics. Ladies and gentlemen, throughout NBA history, there have been 150 teams who have trailed 3-0 in a postseason series. No one has ever come back from an 0-3 deficit. But now Miami is threatening to allow that to happen because the Boston Celtics are rolling. It ain't just about Jason Tatum putting forth star-studded performances. And it ain't just about Jalen Brown finding his three-point stroke. It ain't just about Marcus Smart finding his three-point stroke, and by the way, recording five steals. It ain't just about the collective defensive prowess of the, Bos- of the Boston Celtics, which are holding the Miami Heat to 100.3 points per 100 possessions, which is elite for those of you who don't know enough about analytics. Boston has amped up its defense. Miami's in trouble. And Miami has to win game six tomorrow night or else. It's that simple. You can't come back to Boston and expect to win a game seven. I know Boston is a 500 team over the last two seasons in the postseason. I know they're a 500 team at home in, a, in this postseason, just like where I said they were a 500 team at home during the last two postseasons. 11-11 overall, 5-5 five and five this go-round. So some would argue they got a better shot at winning on the road than at home because they've beaten Miami in Miami for the last times they've played one another. I get it. But if you're Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat, clearly the inferior, the inferior team from top to bottom as it pertains to your roster. Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat have to handle their business in South Beach tomorrow night. Damn, I want to go. I want to go so bad. 
And I will openly confess I am always, always, always looking for an excuse to get to Miami. It is true. I will never deny that. But I'm talking about for the game. I'm not talking about for the afterlife. And I call it the afterlife because it is another life after the game is over in Miami. It really, really is. It is an afterlife. I'm talking. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the game. Miami better win this. Because if they don't win tomorrow night in Miami and game seven comes back to Boston, I find it very, very, very difficult to imagine. The Boston Celtics with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown losing a game seven at TD Bank Garden in Boston. That's all I got to say about that. We shall see. I want to get in a, a bigger issue because one of the things that I try to tell you, listen, <clears throat> people sit up there and they look at me and sometimes they wonder about my political ideologies and things of that nature because I'm talking about me and a proud capitalist and you know, it's about dollars and cents and all of this other stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not just that way by accident. I believe in helping the little man because I've been one most of my life. I know what it's like to grow up poor. I know what it's like to live with rats and roaches and stuff like that. Holes in your roof, no electricity, an empty refrigerator, sitting by the stove that's open, the gas stove, just to get some heat. I know about that. Check out my book, Straight Shooter. A memoir of second chances and first takes that was a New York Times bestseller. I wrote about it all in the book. I wrote about it all in the book. Let me tell you something right now, ladies and gentlemen. I know what it's about. And so what I've done is over the course of my adult life, as I've learned more and more and more about what it takes to thrive, not just survive, but to thrive in corporate America, I've learned some of the do's and don'ts. Because I, one of the things that I've detested for years, and I'll confess to you, not so much in my adult life, but when I was younger, and we always heard about, oh my goodness, you know what? The, the, you, the Lord will bless you. And there's a better place after, after you're here on this earth. Of course I believe that's true. I'm a God-fearing individual. I'm a Christian man. My pastor, A.R. Bernard for the Christian Cultural Center. Believe me. I believe in a higher power. I believe in the Lord. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying to you is this. While I'm here, at some point in my life, I got sick and tired of folks telling me that a better place was awaiting me while I was here on earth and watching other people thrive. And I said, this rat race, this game that exists in corporate America, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to play by the rules and I'm going to beat them anyway. I bring all of that up because I'm talking about John ja Morant. We sat around worried for a little while, didn't we, about John ja Morant. Yeah, we knew he had a five-year, $231 million extension potentially to kick in. I mean, the, the kicks in is really four-year, $190-plus million, but he has the earning potential to go up as high as $231 million over the next five years with a contract that begins next season, this July to be exact. That he go and went from being paid $12 million a year to being paid $33 million a year to start. But we looked at the power aid agreement. We looked at the Nike shoe deal because he was replacing Kyrie Irving, okay? You know Kyrie Irving that did the tweet that was considered to have had anti-Semitic tropes that caused such an uproar? You know the same Kyrie Irving 
They got traded from Brooklyn to Dallas after demanding to be traded. The same Kyrie Irving that is a superstar basketball player, very elite talent, box office as far as I'm concerned, but somehow, someway, had a problem a couple of days ago with people talking about him purely as a basketball guy and where he might end up. That Kyrie Irving. That same guy. That's who John Morant replaced with Nike. Nike severed ties with Kyrie Irving. They said, we're going to attach ourselves to John Morant. John Morant got suspended by the NBA, waving a gun and all of that stuff at the strip club. Spended eight games, fined over $600,000, essentially. Said he would never do it again. Looked at him silver in the face. Obviously didn't honor that pledge. Turned around. And another suspension seems imminent following an investigation that's still ongoing but nearing its end. We didn't hear from Nike. They went radio silent. The company even erased all of Morant's shoes, if you remember, on its site last just last week. After the second gun video and obviously you're talking about a suspension, right? The move prompted speculation that Nike would suspend the sale of the shoe or sever ties with Morant. Well, lo and behold, ladies and gentlemen, Nike decided to still release his sneaker. The sneaker is entitled Hunger. It's sold out in minutes. Minutes. Shoes $110. $110. I mean, I like them. They look all right. You know, I'm not hating on them. I mean, you know. I don't see, they don't look like Jordans when they first came out and stuff like that. I guess the back looks kind of nice. I don't understand what these dudes are doing with all these damn low top sneakers as opposed to at least three quarters. But that's a different subject for another day, especially after seeing Kevin Durant twist his ankle wearing low tops and being out an additional two to three weeks after he arrived in Phoenix because he twisted his ankle in warmups. All I'm trying to say to y'all is this. We got John Moran here. Right now, and I'm looking at all of this, even with the suspension coming down the pike, even with him scheduled to miss the multitude of games, which is going to span double digits, even with all of that stuff going on, Nike released his shoe. Do you know why they released this shoe? Because they want to get paid. That's why. Hunger sold out in minutes. I tried to tell y'all. Business is business. You see, we got so many people out here that want to put on their self-righteous garbs and preach to you about what's right and wrong. And damn it, sometimes I'm one of those people. But I'm not saying it for myself. I'm talking about the society that we live in. And how the rules need to be consistent for everybody to the best of our ability. So we all know where the lines are, what to cross and what not to cross. And in the event that you choose to do so, there's ramifications that you're going to have to own up to. All of us live under those rules. To some point. You know where the exception arrives? When you're a revenue generator. When somebody either says, A, you make money for us, 
or B, you facilitate our ability to make money for us. I got a staff here on my podcast. And everybody got a job to do. And everybody gets a salary. Every single person I point to, I can point to, helps me make more money in their own way. If they did it, they wouldn't be here. Because I'm running a business. And I want to make money. Oh, Stephen A., everything can't be about money. I mean, God, no, stop that. It can't be about money. Yes, the hell it can. Nothing's free. Nothing's free. We got to learn that. We got to exercise that. We got to recognize that. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say something that's very, very unpopular, but it needs to be said. It needs to be said. Nobody has said this, so I'm going to say it. We know my day job is at Disney. We know people have to be let go because it's been announced that 7,000 jobs are going to be cut. Facebook cut about 10,000 jobs at least. Amazon cut a few thousand jobs. All of these businesses are downsizing. All of them. Walt Disney amongst them. You lost $5.5 billion. Ladies and gentlemen, let me say something incredibly unpopular. But it's something that you think about from time to time. There's always a cause to embrace. There's always people to support. And I recall in the past where Disney had protests for crying out loud. Folks protested. Remember Ron DeSantis in Florida with the don't say gay stuff, the, 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 what, what was classified as the don't say gay bill, although him and a lot of Republicans would refute that that's the appropriate classification for the bill. The point that I'm trying to make to you is this. I'm a liberal person in a lot of different ways. That would be one of them. I believe in living and let living. I don't believe there's any room for any kind of phobia, homophobia, transphobia, anything like that. I support all of God's children. But in the realm of business, if you are willing to take a stand and ultimately that stand lends itself towards your bottom line being compromised, what do you think businesses are going to do when their bottom line is compromised? I'm not getting into an abundance of details about Disney, Facebook, Amazon, or anybody else. I'm simply making the point that you have to be mindful of the effect that you have on a bottom line because a lot of times that's going to dictate what ultimately happens to you. If you are a revenue generator and you are somebody that helps make money for a company, you're likely somebody that's going to be kept around. If you are somebody who does not do that, you are most likely expendable. Especially in this day and age. There's a lot of stuff coming down the pike. You got to recognize that. And in the case of John Morant, Nike sees that he has the ability to make the money. Kyrie Irving was bounced because in their eyes, he had an, op- you know, he was in a position to, de- to, to jeopardize their bottom line. 
There are those who can make money for you and there are those who can't. And those who can't get stuck and lumped in the category to some degree with those who do fantastic jobs and are credible and are damn good at what they do, but don't necessarily generate money for you. At some point in time, we got to understand that. I'm not telling you what moral decisions to make or to refuse to make. I'm not judging. I'm simply saying that for those of you who want to come up, please understand that now more than ever before, we're living in a world where people are more and more and companies are more and more, corporations are more and more more inclined to be very obvious in letting you know you don't matter unless you're helping us achieve the bottom line goals that we are after, particularly revenue-wise. And if you don't do that for us, it's going to come back to bite you. No matter what positions you take, no matter what you think's going on, no matter how much support you think you have, no matter how skilled you believe you are, if you are deemed as somebody who has little to no effect on generating revenue, or dare I say forces a corporation to lose revenue or jeopardize their revenue, it's going to be a problem. That's all. That's all. I've learned that the hard way. I told y'all years ago, I told you in my book, Straight shooter. Memoir, second chances, and first takes. I've told you in the book. When they let me go, I thought I was that dude. I thought I was the man. Everybody was screaming my name. I was on, and I was on billboards and everything. I thought people screaming my names in the street was popularity. And when they let my behind go, they didn't blink. Because they knew no one would really call. Because they knew that I wasn't what I thought I was because they knew that I wasn't the revenue generator that I am now. And how did it all turn around? I focused on my two beliefs and I locked in. I woke up every day recognizing that I have a boss and I said, how do I make my bosses more money? And number two, how do I get some of that money? No, it don't sound great. I know we want to hug one another, sing kumbaya, and talk about what's right and what's righteous. Let me say something that I don't mean in any way to be sacrilegious because I pay my tithes. But even in church, they pass around the plate. Nothing's free. Nothing's ever free. Remember I said that. Before I go to break, <clears throat> one more thing I want to touch on. I want to talk about my man, uh, Gilbert Arenas, former NBA player. He's got a podcast, Gil's Arena. Um, I like Gilbert Arenas. 
I like his podcast. I've been a guest on his podcast. I enjoyed it. Um, Gilbert Arenas knows his basketball. He's very knowledgeable about the sport. He and I text or DM one another time to time. I got a lot of respect for that brother. I truly do. And I'm happy for the success that he's, enjoy- he's enjoying and I'm wishing him more. He was talking about the Lakers. And he was talking about specifically LeBron James. And rather than LeBron James talking about retiring or alluding to it, he was bringing up what LeBron James is probably doing, and if he's not doing, he should be doing. Right now. Right after the Lakers were swept by the Denver Nuggets on Monday night. He said this is what LeBron James is either doing or should be doing. And I got to admit to you, Gilbert Arenas is not too far off. Listen to this. LeBron, that chin rub right here, right here, he's already thought about what he's going to do. 12 players. <laughs> There's 12 players that's about to be uh <laughs> <laughs> 12 players that's about to get the fuck on out of here. I'm just saying. I'm going to just say what LeBron really want to say. There's no exit meeting, fellas. All right? The 12 of y'all, y'all just don't even come back to the Supreme Court. All right? Just pack your shit. We'll mail it to you. All right? Three coaches. At this point, we don't give a fuck which three. Y'all not here no more. All right? That's what's about to happen. Right? There's a lot of shit he got to think about. It's 12 players gone. Right? Reeves come back. Rui, you cool. The rest of y'all, get the fuck on that. We ain't even discussing no more. Now, get the step the fuck on. Damn, everybody can. The fuck on. Everybody, everybody get the fuck can. on. I done seen, I done seen enough to realize we cool. AD, you did good. We got one ring. All right, go ahead. Uh, you, you do whatever you want to hit him at. Come on, all right. Do what Kobe would have did. All right, man, we're gonna have to let you go. <laughs> Team decision. Mm-hmm. And we we gonna we gonna get somebody over here that can play more than every other game. Brandon, what, what message was LeBron? The last part about what Gilbert Arenas articulated on that podcast about AD was 1,000% on point. He was pointing to Anthony Davis and how it might be time for you to move on. You got your ring. You a bit too comfortable with that L.A. lifestyle. While I'm busting my ass working hard to be ready for every season, you waiting until the season to get ready. This is about Anthony Davis's commitment to his conditioning. Anthony Davis's game is not to be questioned. When Anthony Davis is on the basketball court healthy and ready to go, Anthony Davis is a top seven player in the world, if not top five. He's that skilled. That's what he brings to the table. But ladies and gentlemen, he arrived in Los Angeles for the 2019-2020 season. Anthony Davis played 62 of a possible 72 games because of the lockout shortened season. They got four months off. He comes back. They win the championship in the bubble. Since that time, ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Davis has missed 36 of 72 games, which was 52% which was 50% rather. He's missed 40 of 82 games. I'm sorry, he's missed 42 of 82 games, which is more than 50% of his games. And this past season, 
He's missed 26 games. Now, in fairness to Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis doesn't miss many games in the postseason. He's a defensive force. He's very formidable. He can block shots. He can rebound. He can defend. He averaged about 26 and 14 in the conference finals. He dropped 40 and 10 in, the, in game one against Jokic. The issue with Anthony Davis is not his skill set. It's not his, you know, it's nothing like that. It's his dedication to his conditioning. This brother is tired week one to the end of the season every year. Especially since he's been in L.A. And I understand. I'm in L.A. a lot. It is a distraction. There are a lot of nice things to do to enjoy your life. But when you got a teammate like LeBron James, yes, I mean stuff like that too. Lord, but I digress. When LeBron's your teammate, when you got a guy that's been to like 11 or 12 conference finals, when this brother's a four-time champion, been to 10 NBA finals, when you see the level of dedication and commitment that he puts forth, you got to be there for him. And in my world, if I had to point the finger at anything that disturbs me, is how somebody like Anthony Davis, who is so pivotal to LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers' success, always seems to be a distance behind LeBron James when it comes to his durability, his availability, and his conditioning. That's what it's about, his conditioning. Hire a personal trainer. Get on your grind. Get that work in. It's nothing about Anthony Davis's game. His basketball IQ, his defensive prowess. He doesn't cheat you with his effort. I'm not claiming he doesn't give you all he's got. Once the season arrives and he's on the court, I'm saying to do the things. Are you doing the things to put you at peak condition? So when you come into the season, your conditioning is at a peak level and you've exhausted every means necessary to be all you can be. Have you done that? People have been questioning whether or not Anthony Davis has done that for years. So when you question something for years, it's no longer a question. It's who you are. And that's no longer good enough for LeBron James. At the very least, it shouldn't be. The Uvalde shootings one year later, what have we learned? The January 6th insurrectionists get sentenced to jail. AI, artificial intelligence. Yeah, I might bring up Alan Iverson too. And then some, don't touch that dial. This is the Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way. Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Some subjects you want to avoid getting into some subjects you want to avoid at all costs because there's so much that's happening in life you know you just wonder where do you go from here one of the things that I think that as a society we should never forget and and I agree um, 
formerly of Fox. She's got her own podcast, Megan Kelly, from weeks ago when she said she's tired of people complaining about guns. I talked to my one of one of my um, producers, Michael, all the time because he's such a you know he's got such a good heart, such a sensitive man, and he just wants to do away with all guns and. You know, I mean, why could, if we could just influence one life, one life, I think that it would change the world. That's Michael. It's a very altruistic way to view things, and I applaud him for his heart and soul being in the right place. But the reality is, Megyn Kelly made a very, very accurate point months ago. She said she's sick and tired of people bitching and moaning about guns. She said because they're never going away in our culture. We have over 330 million American citizens in this country. We have over 400 million guns. That is a fact. We've had politicians on Capitol Hill for years complaining about the need for more stringent gun laws. We have those stringent gun laws in places like New York and California and New Jersey. We don't necessarily have them in Alabama. Florida, Texas, etc. We got a rep in Georgia, Marjorie Taylor Greene, that ain't even calling for us to be the United States any longer. That ain't even calling for us to be a union any longer. She said the country should be separated, right versus left, Republican versus Democrats, liberal versus conservative, two different countries. It's not going away. So when I read these stories, like the Uvalde shooting, and it's the one-year anniversary of the shooting, and then you want to hear about what changes have taken place. What have we learned? What has changed? The answer is nothing. Somebody got to tell y'all, so I'm going to tell you. Somebody got to tell you. The answer is nothing. Rob Elementary School, May 24th, 2022 led to the deaths of 19 students and two teachers. There were widespread calls for accountability and new gun laws. Yes, several people lost their jobs, including the chief of the small school police force and another five officers. I watched that video. They should have been fired on the spot. And by the way, all of those officers should be ashamed of themselves. Your job, in some capacity, was to protect and serve. There were children in there. You heard shootings, and you still waited forever to go inside. I saw the video, I watched it. They should have been fired on the spot. You may not deserve to go to jail for it, but you had little to no courage. You were weak and pathetic. And you have no business wearing any kind of badge. You didn't want to risk your life. That is totally understandable about a human being. But when you sign up to be any kind of law enforcement official, I think it's safe to say that comes with the job. And I know some of the weakest people on the planet Earth who would put their lives on the line any day of the week to save the lives of children. Elementary school children. I ain't the bravest brother in the world. I don't like trouble. And I don't like confronting trouble. But I can tell you right now, if I was in the streets and I saw a child, a child 
in danger, I would try to save that child before I ran. I would try to save that child before I stood there and did nothing. And I think I'm speaking for about 98% of human beings on the planet. Children are something special. If we risk anything for anybody, it's them. Those officers slow rolled to the rescue. And 19 people died. 19 people. Two of them were teachers. I'm sorry, 19 students died and two additional people were teachers. It's 21. Listen to some of the changes that they say has taken place since the Uvalde shooting. There's been no changing in gun laws. The focus has been on increased safety precautions and better equipment to combat a shooter. Local police now have additional ballistic shields and helmets as well as tools for breaching barricaded doors. Oh, I see. Let's arm the police officers. Let's arm the folks from the sheriff department. Let's make sure we do everything to keep them safe. As opposed to the children. As opposed to the children. This is disgusting to read. It really is. Then you got a quote from somebody almost a year now, and honestly, nothing has changed, said Jesse Rizzo, the uncle of one of the massacre victims, told the Uvalde school board a week before the anniversary of the shooting. There had been movement in the Texas, in the Texas legislature when a bill that would have raised the age to purchase an AR-15 style rifle to 21 from 18 received a favorable vote in the House committee. But the bill missed a key deadline and failed to receive a vote in the full Texas House. So in other words, it never received a full vote in the Texas House because you missed a deadline. Am I supposed to believe that you did that by accident? I bet you if it was money in your pocket, you'd have made that deadline. I bet you if it was something you wanted to do badly enough, you would have made that deadline. I bet you if it was something to secure the well-being of your children, you would have made that deadline. It's a damn shame. According to The Guardian, the U.S. Is seeing on average more than one mass killing weekly as of this month of 2023, there already had been 202 mass shootings. For those of you who don't know, a mass, a mass shooting in this day and age is defined as at least four people killed or injured by firearms, excluding the shooter. And by the way, the U.S. mass killing set to reach record numbers in 2023. You know... <laughs> This is why it was important, in my mind anyway, that although it didn't involve a mass shooting, that the insurrectionists at the U.S. Capitol were dealt with. Now, I remember one time I got upset at Tucker Carlson because he did his show, and I sat down and I watched this man try to minimize the rioting at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, talking about most folks were peaceful, peaceful protesters. I'm not condemning Tucker Carlson as a person. I don't know him. I'm not qualifying or classifying him as anything. I'm only talking about that particular show that I saw. That particular show, speaking specifically to that particular show, Tucker Carlson was full of shit. And let me tell you why I feel that way, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> 
So let's say hypothetically, as I said weeks ago, that somebody decides to rob someone else's house. And they bust the windows and they kick in the door. And they get into the house. And they in the living room. And you walk in afterward, having not kicked in any doors, having not busted any windows, but you're there in the house. When the police come to rescue them, are you getting arrested? The answer would be yes. Because you're on premises you don't belong under. Or you don't belong on. Period. Tucker Carlson knew that. I'm not here to condemn him. I'm not sure what happened to him at Fox News was right or wrong. I ain't getting it all. I don't know. And I know he's going to have his own show on Twitter and he's going to have the freedom to say what he wants. I'm only talking about the riots at the Capitol. How many windows can you bust in? How many doors can you bust bust down? How many glasses can you break? Just because every single person didn't do it doesn't mean they weren't a rioter. They were there. They were following the people who did. And one by one, the government is coming after them. And I don't blame them. We got Stuart Rhodes. He's the founder of the extremist group Oath Keepers. He was sentenced to 18 years in prison. 18 years. And by the way, change that tagline. I don't want it bye-bye, big O, and all of that other stuff. I'm not trying to. This is not a funny matter. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm not trying to do that. This is serious. You got another person that was here, and he was sentenced to four and a half years. Getting back to Rhodes for a second. That's four and a half years. That's Richard Big O Barnett. In Rhodes' case, he's the first person convicted of seditious conspiracy for the attack, and his sentence is the longest handed down so far in the hundreds of Capitol riot cases. Barnett, who infamously was photographed with his feet on Nancy Pelosi's desk, was sentenced to 54 months in prison, and after his release, will be on probation for three additional years. Both men claim they meant for a peaceful protest. But remember, Barnett entered the Capitol armed with a stun gun, rode on Nancy Pelosi's desk using a sexist slur and used a bullhorn to brag to the crowd that, quote, I took Nancy Pelosi's office. Based on a video from the trial, you can see Barnett threaten officer Terrence Craig 15 times. Rhodes, according to this article, made the extraordinary move and took the stand to tell jurors there was no plan to attack the Capitol and insist that his followers went rogue. But using dozens of encrypted messages, recordings and surveillance video, prosecutors made the case how Rhodes rallied his followers to fight to defend Donald Trump and discuss the prospect of a, quote, bloody civil war. Just in case y'all can't. Uh, Y'all, y'all care. At least five or six people died at the Capitol that day. Including three police officers. 
Officer Brian Sicknick of the Capitol Police. He was attacked by the mob. He died the next day. Officer Jeffrey Smith of the Metropolitan Police Department killed himself after the attack. As did Officer Howard Liebengood of the Capitol Police who committed suicide four days later. Just in case you cared, I figured it would be a good thing for you to know. Now I want to get to something interesting because I brought up AI. And I know a lot of people out there associate me with the sport of basketball, so you're going to think I'm talking about Allen Iverson. No, I'm not talking about Allen Iverson. I'm talking about something totally different because I saw an interesting article that I wanted to throw by y'all because I want to tell y'all something. You got to pay attention. See, that's what I do. I don't just pay attention to now. I pay attention to tomorrow and the next day and the next year because I like to see stuff coming and I have an idea of where we go from here. And I got to tell y'all something. I was reading something where speaking at the Wall Street Journal's CEO Council Summit in London just this past Wednesday, um, this guy, Eric Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-D-T, he's the former Google CEO, said his concern is that artificial intelligence could pose existential risk and governments need to know how to make sure the technology is not misused by evil people. An existential risk is defined as many, 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 many people harmed or killed, Schmidt said. And for those of you who haven't been paying attention, the future of AI has been thrust into the center of conversations among technologists and policymakers grappling with what the technology looks like going forward and how it should be regulated. You know what I thought about when I read this story? iRobot! iRobot! The movie with Will Smith. Remember that? Remember that? Remember Sonny? Remember him? Remember the robot that kept his grandma locked in the house, in the apartment that she was in, and wouldn't let her out? Remember that? Remember those robots that invaded the police station and took all the officers down? Remember that? Remember Vicky, the big machine that was controlling all of them? Remember that? Artificial intelligence. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the kind of things that they're talking about. They're not just talking about machines doing things. They're talking about the threat of machines replacing human beings. Remember when you saw one of those iRobots that Will Smith in the movie could not stand? And it's showing him at the kitchen table and he's chopping stuff up. I don't know whether it was onions or whatever the case may be. Remember how fast he was doing it? You remember how the grandma looked at Will Smith and said, come on, baby. You really got to get over this. Oh, they hurt you so bad. I'm so sad for you, but I'm going to pray for you. Remember that? Because Will Smith had no trust for the robots. Because they were making decisions based on numbers. The probability when Will Smith and that little girl, the car fell into the, into the river. And he had an opportunity to save the girl or save Will Smith. But the, but the robot said, it was less of a probability that she could be saved before Will Smith could be saved. So he saved Will Smith and let the little girl die. See, I watch these movies now. I love all of that stuff. I love comedy. I love action. All the time. I don't like to see people getting eaten. 
Jaws. You know what I'm saying? And stuff like that. I don't like that. I'm not a National Geographic's guy, although I love the fact that Disney owns it. I don't like the wildlife and all this stuff. I want to see lions eating zebras and all. I don't like that stuff. That's not, you know, I don't want to see the movie from years ago, Food of the Gods with a bunch of rats. I want to see that stuff. Okay? But stuff like this, I like. Because that kind of stuff, it reminds you of what the potential is out there for the world that is forthcoming. The fact of the matter is, is that businesses are efficient. They're looking for efficiency. And they'll take it before it was the American citizen. Then it was the American citizens and immigrants, even though one would argue immigrants have always been in this country, said, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not debating any of that. I'm just making a point that slowly but surely, we've lent ourselves more towards machines and less towards human beings. With human beings, you don't have to worry about the emotions. With human beings, you don't have to constantly worry and challenge the efficiency. With human beings, you don't have to worry about personal feelings, getting in the way of business, etc. I don't support this stuff. I don't like it. It scares the living hell out of me that we got to worry about artificial intelligence. I mean, human beings, human interaction is what it's all about. Imagine for one second that you're worth a billion dollars and you're on the top of the world, you're on the top of the heap and you could go to the best hotels and you go to the best restaurants and you go to the best vacation spots. How would you feel if you were all alone? How would you feel if you achieved all of that success but nobody else had it and nobody else was around and walking the streets of America or anywhere else in this world resembled what the streets looked like when COVID first hit us and this nation was on lockdown. Who the hell wants that? You want to be successful. You want to enjoy your life. You want to live it up. True. But you want to see others enjoying the same level of success because that's what living is. It ain't living if you're the only person that's doing anything and you by your damn self. And all of these people that have been speaking about artificial intelligence and the, and, and, and the way it can affect our society. When you got things that can replace human beings, machines. That's what I think about when I think about artificial intelligence. I don't know all the details. I'm not trying to speak like I'm an aficionado on this damn subject. I'm just talking about what I read and the kind of things these people are saying. It's scaring the living hell out of me. Because at some point, you got a few that's going to finance stuff like this and make you feel like, yeah, this is the wave of the future. Not taking into account the human element and how as a society, we should all aspire to live together and live amongst one another. That's not the kind of stuff they're preaching for the future. That might explain why people act up from time to time. Riots, shootings, violence, just a dismissive attitude or uncaring nature towards your fellow man and woman. Because everybody sees the disintegration of our society coming right at us. And they might be screaming, don't you care 
Don't you care? And they can't take it anymore. When too many power brokers in society are showing them. No, we don't. That's what artificial intelligence has me scared about right now. And if you think about it, you're probably pretty damn scared too. I'm going to go to another break, back with my final segment in a minute. Something to throw at you that is not really funny, but it's kind of funny. Stick around. It's the Stephen A. Smith Show. Right here. Right now. Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Before I let you get on out of here, I want to alert you to the fact that I think shootings of any kind is not something we should ever celebrate, nor should we ever dismiss the seriousness of. And I do get that. But certain stories throw a little wrench into that kind of thinking because it makes you say, damn, that that's ridiculous, kind of hilarious, but not really hilarious because somebody got shot. But I just got to tell y'all something. Did y'all hear this story? A man in Kentucky has been arrested after shooting his roommate due to an argument stemming from that roommate eating his last hot pocket. It's true. I ain't making this up, y'all. I ain't making this up. Apparently, Clifton Williams got angry Saturday after he realized the last microwavable turnover was gone. So Williams started throwing tiles at his friend. The victim told Williams he was leaving. So Mr. Williams ran back inside the house and got a gun. Williams then shot his roommate while he was trying to leave right in the ass. Shot him in the ass. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's all be honest about something. When we think about someone getting shot in the ass, we think about this. I'm going to get that gun, and then I'm going to get that money. And you ain't going to do a damn thing, because you ain't going to shoot no cop in the back, are you? Don't do it. You know what they give you for that? The gas chamber. You know what the gas chamber smells like? Pine oil. That's where you headed, boy. To pine oil heaven. I'm going to get that gun, and then I'm going to get that money. I don't believe you got it in you, Jake. I'm going to go get it right now. Oh! Get it! You motherfucker! The next one will kill you. Oh, son of a bitch! You shot me in the ass! Am I lying? Am I lying? Now, again, we don't advocate any violence on this show. 
in the movies or anywhere else, even though in the movies it's all right because it's movies, it's theater, and it's acting, you know, stuff like that. But in real life sequences and situations, we don't advocate that. But you got to admit that when you heard about Clifton Williams out of Kentucky shooting his friend for heating his last hot pockets and shot him in the ass, you got to admit you thought about that, didn't you? Because that's one of the all-time scenes. I mean, there's two scenes that you think about from Training Day. By the way, produced and directed by my brother, Antoine Fuqua, one of the greatest directors in Hollywood at this moment in time. You got to admit that when you think about what happened with somebody getting shot in the buttocks, You thought about that scene. You even got to admit that you're probably going to go home and watch Training Day because the two most popular scenes from that movie. Y'all be in Pelican Bay once I get through with you. King Kong ain't got shit on me. That's what you would, that's what you think about when you think about Training Day. That's the one scene, that one's the other. Oh, you mother. You know you've been thinking about that. You know it. Get shot anywhere else. There's a difference. But when you hear about somebody getting shot in the ass, there's only one thing y'all think about, and you know it's true. It's Denzel getting shot by Ethan Hawke in training day. Just thought I'd throw out that little nugget of information before I sent you into the Memorial Day weekend. I worked a lot over the last few weeks. I'm going to take Memorial Day off Monday. But I will be back on Wednesday. That you can rest assured of. Until that time, ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you when I see you. Nothing but love for you. Appreciate you. And thank you for giving continued support to this podcast. Over 120,000 subscribers in the first four months. I appreciate y'all so much. But keep it coming because I ain't going anywhere. I'm going to be here for a while. God willing, of course. Until next Wednesday. Take care, peace, and love. Stephen A. with the Stephen A. Smith Show. Signing off. Until then. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.